Um, hey, I want to start, but before we get started, I uh, want to take a minute just to pray. Um, so this has been a really heavy week, a very weighty week, really intense week. Um, many of you know, if you don't know, I just want to share with you that uh, we did lose a member of our family this week. Um, on Monday, Brad Belts passed away. Uh, Brad was one of the sweetest men uh, that you will ever meet. Um, some of you, if you joined the church before uh, COVID, Brad and his wife Erin led our new members class, um, so you would have met them then. A uh, sweet man left behind two sweet boys and a wife. Uh, his church family has already gathered around them. This whole community has just wouldn't continue uh, to do that in the weeks to come, in the season to come for sure. We also uh, have a couple members uh, right now who are kind of fighting, hanging on, and need God's intervention, need healing, um, <clears throat> need something to change. So uh, heavy week, a lot going on. A lot of people we really love, deeply care for, that are going through a lot. This is a heavy season in life. So let's take just a second and pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Father, we, um, we come to you a lot of times, um, honestly, having no idea what to say. Um, so in times when we're mourning, in times when we don't understand your plans, um, in times that really all we have left is to rest just on our hope and our faith and on each other, uh, we are counting on you. We're counting on you to come through. Um, we're counting on you to show up. We know that you promised you have. We're counting on you to make your presence known to us that we would feel your comfort, feel your love, uh, feel your peace in the midst of it. And we are counting on your Holy Spirit to remind us um, of one of the hard but beautiful truths of the gospel is that you have not left us in this place to suffer alone, um, that you yourself have not escaped uh, the pain of death and loss, that you experienced it um, here with us and the incredible Beautiful news that gives us hope that you overcame it. Um, that everything that weighs us down in this life is temporary. It will come to an end. And that there is hope of something beautiful that we can hardly imagine. So, um, so God, we pray for all those who are suffering, for those who are sick, and for those who are mourning. Uh, pray that your church, that your people would gather around them, um, would gather together uh, to continue to help to be that voice, those arms, the presence of love and support in this time. So God, this morning as we, as we come, uh, just with all, all this heavy stuff, uh, we come and we bring stuff like this to you each week. Um, and no matter where we're coming from or what we're bringing with us, we come to gather around your word, to hear it read, to hear your gospel proclaimed, and to figure out what it means um, for us as we go back out into the world in just a little bit. So as always, I pray that you'd open our minds, our eyes, our ears, and our hearts so we could receive your word for us today. We pray that our mouths, our hands, and our feet, our whole selves, would be used for your purpose in this world to proclaim your kingdom, to be a voice of hope and reconciliation in the midst of all the noise that's going on around us. And we pray all this uh, this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen. Okay, uh, so a kind of a personal question to, to start with today, um, and this is rhetorical, Bill Ford. Um, I don't know, you can tell us, I don't care. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about yourself? Uh, like right now, how do you feel about yourself? I don't know, just in general, on a typical day. Um, if you're like me, uh, maybe you woke up today feeling a little, I don't know, ugh. Like looked in the mirror and noticed more and more of those little imperfections in the face that was looking back at you. Uh, maybe if you're like me, uh, you ate your way through the holidays and then you continued to eat your way through 10 days of COVID quarantine and now your pants just don't fit the same way they fit last month. 
Uh, maybe there's like some character flaw that like showed its ugly face yesterday and you're not feeling so great about that today. Uh, I don't know where you are. Um, if you're feeling super confident and good, see me afterwards, I have other scripture for you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but for those of you uh, who, are, who are with me, I, I want you to listen to this. Uh, listen to this from Psalm 139. Uh, it says, uh, you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And you have to notice. The psalmist says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then what does he say? Your works are wonderful. Clearly saying that he understands that God made him. He is part of God's work. And God thinks he is wonderful. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is the word of the Lord. This is what God's word says about you. This word is reliable, it's true. It has authority over us, has authority over all creation. It is never changing, it can be trusted. So after hearing that true and trustworthy word about who you are, how do you feel about yourself? Or maybe a better question or a better place to start, how does God feel about you? What does scripture say? How does God feel about you? So look, I can say to every one of you, like, you are a mess. The first service laughed at that a little bit, maybe. Okay, it's, it's okay. But, but you are, and I know that from the authority of Scripture, and I know that from personal experience. You're a mess. But you know what else Scripture says? That you are beautiful. That you are beautiful, and you are loved, and you are here for a specific reason that only you can fulfill. So if all of this is true, then that's the question. And why are you here? For what purpose has God placed you? You in particular, at this particular time in your life, what has God put you here to do? If he specifically knit you together with purpose and intention, then how exactly are you knit together and what are you knit together for? Why are you here? And what are you doing with this life that he's given you? There's a professor of American literature. Uh, his name is Andrew Del Banco. Uh, he wrote this. He wrote this. It's in a piece called The Real American Dream, A Meditation on Hope. And he says, at the heart of any cohesive culture is a story that gives it hope. A story that helps us overcome the lurking suspicion that all our working and getting and spending amounts to nothing more than fidgeting while we wait for death. Hope depends upon finding some end to be pursued more extensive than mere instant desire. There's an anthropologist named Clifford Geertz. He writes this. He says, without it, this cultural story of hope, we are a kind of formless monster 
with neither sense of direction or power of self-control, a chaos of spasmodic impulses and vague emotions. So two scholars offering their descriptions, their critique of the dark side of modern Western culture. I want to read you uh, a line uh, from a hymn. Noah, I'm sorry, I didn't, yeah, you got it. Awesome, because you're the best, Noah. Thank you. Uh, this is from a hymn that we actually sang this morning at eight o'clock, and we'll sing it again at 11. Um, it, it agrees. It says, cure thy children's warring madness. Bend our pride to thy control. Shame our wanton selfish gladness. Rich in things, but poor in soul. You see, without a story that gives meaning and hope to us as individuals and as a people, we become something other than what we were created to be. We become something that wanders aimlessly through life, fighting and chasing after things that will just occupy our time. Things to just keep us distracted and numb in that time between birth and death. Y'all, that is not why we're here. There is so much more to life than just working, just to get and spend and fidget. We were made to be more than wandering, uncontrollable monsters, more than prisoners to the chaos of our emotions. We were made for more than this. So last week, last week we saw how the story that gives hope and meaning, we saw how that story begins. And we saw that we are told by God that we were made in the image of God to be partners with God, that we are workers, that we are here to work, to continue God's creative work in the ways that we're able, that we're here to order and maintain and manage and take care of everything that God has made. And we were made to do that together. It's important work. We were made to work and to do that work together. Now, I think sadly, there's sometimes this sense within the Christian world that only certain work really matters. Um, I often use this phrase. uh, I say that we should focus on things of eternal significance. And that phrase to some people can, can mean that only the things of the church really matter. That uh, business or activities or social engagements, like they don't really matter because we assume that those things won't be around forever. We have to be really careful with this, practically, because y'all, our kids could totally use this against us as an argument. Like I can just hear my kids saying, yeah, dad, you know what? I'd really love to put away the dishes and take out the trash, but does that work really have eternal significance? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I was created to do more with that, more than that with my time. And sorry, parents, I just gave your kids some ammo. Uh, But here's the deal. When I use the phrase, things of eternal significance, I I actually do mean things like that. (laughs) We are here to work, to order, to maintain, to manage, to subdue, to take care of all creation. What happens if nobody takes out the trash? (laughs) Chaos and disorder. I want you to listen to this. This comes from Colossians chapter three. And if you read around it, I want you to know, I don't have time to get deep into the context around what I'm about to read. And the context really does deserve a deeper look. Um, This section has instructions for husbands and wives, for children and parents, and even for servants and their masters. And it can be kind of difficult to work through. So this passage, it deserves an entire series to itself. But we just don't have time for that today. So I wanna ask you to forgive me. I'm just gonna read a couple verses 
that come in the middle of a larger thought, but the point remains the same regardless. Um, This is from Colossians chapter three, uh, verses 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, what I want you to focus on are those first three words. Whatever you do. What kind of work qualifies as working for the Lord? What kind of work, if we do it to honor and glorify the Lord, if we're doing it to pursue our purpose as image bearers and partners with God, what kind of work qualifies as good work? What kind of work leads to the inheritance of the Lord? What kind of work is suitable for God's image bearers? What does it say? Whatever you do, all of it. You see, this idea that the only work that matters to God is what we would call religious work. Y'all, that's ridiculous. Like the idea that if you feel called to serve God, by the way, that phrase, somebody feeling called to serve God, it actually has no meaning because every single human has been called to serve God. But if you feel called in some unique way, the idea that the only options you have are becoming a pastor or a missionary or a worship leader or an administrator at a church or some Christian nonprofit, that idea is destructive. It can be damaging to a person's future, to their sense of purpose in this life. The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote the words I just read, he would laugh. Actually, he'd probably be really mad. to find out that 2,000 years after he wrote those words, Christians would think that only religious work qualifies as serving and glorifying God. And I know that because like I said, I don't have time to get into all the context, but those words, they were written first for servants. (laughs) What kind of work do servants do? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So I'm wrestling with this in a number of ways. I'm wrestling with it personally, um, but also as a dad um, who's about to send his oldest kid off to college and then the youngest is getting ready for high school next year. Like, how are they gonna use their gifts and talents? How are they gonna use the gifts and talents that God has given them, those unique gifts and talents? How are they gonna use, why are they gonna use them? Are they gonna use them just to amass stuff? Are they gonna use them to do the work that God's called them to do? And then how can we help them discern that? How can we help them figure it out? How can we help them find and live into their calling? How can I help my kids avoid that endless cycle of working just to get and spend and fidget and wait? Y'all, I want my kids to be successful. We all want that for our kids. I want my kids to be financially independent one day. (laughs) We all want that for our kids. Y'all, we've gotta be honest. Our definitions of success and financial independence they're often built on things that aren't really true. And they're often arbitrary, especially when you compare them to God's purpose for our lives. What we should want 
is for our kids to figure out what God created them for, how God has called and designed them to manage and order and take care of everything that God has set at their feet. On one side of this, we have our culture that's teaching our kids to chase their passions, to find something they love and do that. And I get that. I understand the heart behind that. But if you really think about it, that's actually a really selfish way of looking at the world. We don't always get to do what we love. And what we love is not always a job. But we can learn to love what we do. If we can find ways to use the gifts and talents that God has given us. If we can see that the work that we're doing is partnering with God and managing creation in a way that only we can. There's another side of this too. Sometimes what we as parents intend for the good of our kids, encouragement to do their best, yeah, but you have to take all the advanced classes, you've got to get the highest grades so that you can get into the best school. You've got to swim the fastest times, you've got to get the lead part, you've got to win the game. Sometimes what we intend for their good, it often contributes to what is a real problem. We are teaching them to measure their value and their worth against the work and the success of someone else. We're asking them to measure up to some immeasurable, undefinable standard of perfection that doesn't exist and it's unattainable. There's only one human who ever walked this planet that was perfect. What we all have to remember is that God's image bearers do not measure our value and our worth against someone else. We don't measure it against what our neighbors have or what our neighbors do. God's image bearers, we don't measure our value and our worth against what Instagram and TikTok and Hollywood are telling us we should look like or what we should be like. Image bearers of God measure their value and their worth by God's word by what God says about us. We turn to Psalm 139, we don't turn to the culture around us. So I wrestle with this as a dad, obviously. But I also wrestle with this as a pastor. We have moms and dads right here, right now, that are not only doing your best to raise these kids, but at the same time, you're trying to figure out how your job, how your work, whatever it is, How is it more than just income? Is or isn't it more than just the cycle of working and getting and spending and fidgeting and just waiting? But I want to encourage you that just like your parenting, your work and your working, it honors God and it fulfills his purposes for you if it is done to glorify the Lord, no matter what it is. As long as you are working hard, and you're putting your gifts and your talents to use for him. Last week, I told you about this book by Jeff Van Duzer, what Biz- Why Business Matters to God. He defines the purpose of all business. And remember, this is not a theologian. This is a dean of a business school. This is a business law, business ethics professor. He defines business like this. He says, business exists to provide goods and services for the benefit of the community and to provide meaningful work for the people of that community. He says, business does not exist just to make money. We're gonna talk about that next week. 
Business exists to provide goods and services for the good of the community and to provide meaningful work for the people of that community. Is that the kind of work you're doing? Is it? It's a good question. If it is, awesome. Dive in. If not, maybe there's a change in your future. And if it's time for that kind of a change, don't worry, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. Don't go quit your current job. Not yet. Those bills got to get paid. (laughs) Take deep breaths and take time. Turn to scripture. Seek God in prayer. Spend as much time listening in that prayer as you do speaking. Surround yourself with a community of Jesus followers who are also wrestling with their work. Serve and love those around you generously. Just do all that in the meantime, and I'm confident that God will continue to form you into somebody who's a faithful steward of everything that he's given you, and he will lead you to good work. There are also a lot of people in this church who are retired, a lot more of them at the service before this one, but maybe some of you are as well. And they may, I'll speak in they, they may think their work is finished. And I respectfully disagree, strongly. Like their careers might be complete, but their work is far from finished because they are a vital part, not only of this church, but of this culture, of this neighborhood. They are a gift to all of us. And those of us who are not retired, those of us who are younger, we need to do a better job of letting them know that of helping them understand their importance and their worth for us. Their wisdom and their encouragement offers young parents hope and guidance. They have compassion and they have comfort for couples and relationships that are struggling to stay together. They've experienced great loss and real hardship and they can walk alongside those of us that are in the midst of it. They have a lifetime of wrestling with God and walking with Jesus. We need that good work to continue and we need to receive it and grow from it. You see, the God of all creation created with purpose, with intention and with a plan. And he is bringing that plan to completion for his glory and for the good of everything he made. And you are a part of that creation. When he made you, what did he say? That... What did he say after each of the days of creation? Day one, day two, day three, day four, and day five. What did he say? He looked at what he did and he called it what? Then he makes us on day six and what does he call it? There's a reason. There's a reason. You were created out of a deep, eternal love. You were created with a purpose, with intention, You were created to be a part of that plan. And I know I'm talking to a bunch of you, but I want you to hear me talking just to you. You were created out of a deep, eternal, abiding love. You were created with a purpose, with intention, and you were created to be a part of his plan. You were also uniquely created you. You weren't created like anyone else. I want to read you another passage. Um, this is from 1 Corinthians 12. And much of this section, we often think of it um, as being the gifts that are used inside the church. But remember, serving God is not only done in the church. These gifts equip the church, equip you 
so that you can go live and move and serve God in the world around you. So listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians 12. I'm gonna pick and choose some passages. You guys can go read the whole thing uh, later on today. It says there are different, excuse me, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. And then it goes on to make an analogy. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. And then it says this. I think this is hilarious, but maybe that's just because I'm a nerd. It says, if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make the foot any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that make it any less a part of the body? And this is the funny part. It, if the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, then how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God put each part exactly where he wants it. It goes on to say, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weak and less important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable, we clothe those with the greatest care. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. I verified this with Doc Smith um, after I said it at the eight o'clock service, so thank goodness he gave me the thumbs up. Uh, there are roughly 206 bones in your body, 600 different muscles, 78 organs, 200 different types of cells in your body. Dr. Arthur, do you concur? Close enough, fair enough? Okay, thank you. Your body is a combination of biological and chemical systems and interactions. You are a complicated and beautiful creation. Each part of you is different than the other and each part serves a vital and unique purpose. We are the body of Christ. He made each of us unique to serve a vital purpose in his plan for all creation. You are unlike any person that has come before you. The cells and the atoms that form and hold all of us together and you, they're ordered differently than any other human that's ever lived. Your brain works differently. The coordination between your body and your mind is different. You are different. And some of you are a little weird. And y'all, this is really good news. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been given unique gifts and talents. You were meant to be more. You were meant to be more than just some cookie cutter, like some carbon copy of some other human. You were made in the image of God, a unique and beautiful puzzle piece. And without you, the puzzle isn't complete. The picture it forms is missing something important because you bring a shape and a color and a pattern to God's work that only you can bring. Like reflect on that throughout all of history, only you can do what God put you here to do right now. It's incredible. And all of this is such good news, y'all. We get nothing done if we're just a bunch of feet. I guess Jeff would have a lot of work, but we get nothing done if we're just a bunch of feet. 
And we're boring if some of us, at least some of us, aren't a little weird. (laughs) It takes every diverse part of the body to accomplish everything that God has in store for us. So I told you last week, this month, we're focusing on stewardship. And stewardship, often, it talks about what you give. Specifically, what you have to offer and to give the church so that we can fulfill God's mission and purpose for us together. So we can keep the lights on, so we can do the work. Yes, absolutely. That is a part of it. Bring, offer your gifts and your talents to the church. We absolutely need them. The purpose of the church is to declare the glory of God, to bring people into relationship with God and then to equip those people of God to go out into the world and do the work of God. So we absolutely need resources to do that work well. But the end use of those resources is not simply the things that take place in this building. The things that happen here happen to equip you, to encourage you, to send you out to fulfill your mission, to be the church out there. Stewardship is about so much more than just what you bring and offer here. It is about a lifelong partnership with God. So don't just give your gifts and your talents to the church. Help the church. Help the church so that we can equip you to be the church every day. Every place you go, I totally agree. I wanted to cheer when I said that too, but (laughs) give your gifts so that we can do our job. Y'all, we are just staff. Like I had somebody here once say to me at the moment, it was like the most hurtful thing anybody had ever said, but it's absolutely true. (laughs) She said, you guys are just pastors and pastors pass by. They pass through, they come and go. We are the church and it's absolutely right. We are the staff and we have a job. You are the church. Help us equip you so that you can be the church and use those vital, unique gifts and talents talents everywhere you go. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want every one of you to say that with me. I want you to reflect on how you feel about yourself some days. And I want you to say this with me. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. I want you to say this with me too. I am a mess. Thank you for not saying you're a mess. Thank you for, yeah. (laughs) I am a mess. But I am beautiful. Y'all, you are loved, not because of what you've accomplished, not because of what you've achieved. You are loved because the God of the universe chose to love you. And that love is made real and tangible because of the work he did on the cross. It is brought to life now and forever because he walked out of that tomb and defeated death. There is no honor, there is no glory, there is no goal in this life to achieve that compares, that comes close to what I just told you. Believe it. Believe it. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we do praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we trust you that even as crazy as it sounds, that you would choose to use people like us to do your work, that you would call us beautiful. God, help us to believe it. Help us to own it. And give us the courage and the strength to go do something about it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.